0: TMI, TMI, my friends. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: What did you just say? Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Too far. Crazy goddamn bro. We are vibing. Get it, girl.
1: What? Hello, friends. Welcome to the TMI podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Grant, and I've got absolutely no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> How are you? What's the haps in your world? Oh, can't hear responses, but I'll, um, I'll assume you're good. <laughs> uh, even though I plan these recordings and I can figure out exactly what it is that I want to say ahead of time, I still never know how to start and it's so orcs, I'm sorry. <laughs> so should we just get straight into the episode? Because I am tickled pink to introduce you to our guests today. Yep, I said guests, plural. I had the absolute pleasure of talking with Sophia Cheyenne and Clinton Brown about their lives and their lived experience with dwarfism. And this is going to sound a bit weird, but I totally fell in love with them during this conversation. They are just two of the best humans I've had the pleasure of meeting and I hope that your heart explodes when you meet them too. Ugh. And I've got to tell you that my audio is a bit shit, soz. I bungled it. I've got absolutely no idea what I did wrong. <sighs> and uh, a surprise to no one, I'm not technical. But Sophia and Clint's audio is great, which is all that matters anyway. So... I hope you can get past this minor inconvenience in our friendship. This isn't the first time that we've had to overcome this together. And my friends, this will not be the last. So thanks for your patience, BFFs. I appreciate it. And there is a trigger warning for this episode. We talk about Sophia and Clint's lived experience with dwarfism in delicious detail, including their past and current traumas around being bullied and living in a body that's not always accepted by society. We talk about their challenges and their successes. We talk about their love, sex and prejudice in the disabled community as a whole. We go deep and off-road, which of course is the right on brand for TMI. So if any of this might cause stress for you, please use your best judgment and don't bloody listen to it, mate. And remember... This is a safe and inclusive space for curious people who aren't afraid of the big conversations. Shame and judgment are not welcome here, friends. Oversharing is the best kind of sharing. And here on Planet Sarah Grant, we honour the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Yeah, of course. I'm honored that you found me and you asked me to join your podcast. This is so cool. I love doing this stuff. It's cool to just sort of be part of different circles and different people and mm-hmm. podcasts are, I think, a big reach. So it's it's great. Thank you so much for reaching out.
1: I thought we might start with you. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world, because you are a master of many trades, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I, I guess I am. So my name is Sophia Cheyenne. My full name is Sophia Cheyenne. Wow. It's like a, a Latin tradition that I was taught as a kid of like, honoring the maiden names of the women in your family. So I sometimes love to throw that in there.
1: I love that. And what language is that?
0: It's basically a mix of Spanish and Taino, Mm. which is, Taino is the indigenous language of the Caribbean. So I'm a mix of Dominican, Italian, Syrian. Those are like the three main things that my parents are. And then I kind of like am a mutt of many other things because of my Dominican side we're just like a little bit of Spaniard and black and like all sorts of different colonized cultures that came there. And yeah, but I identify with it a lot and very strongly because my father uh, in as, as I grew up and when he had children, he really explored his identity as an indigenous man. And so we went to a lot of powwows and were invited to indigenous circles. And so I have a Taino name, which is Huluka Inaru, which means Rainbow mm. Spirit Woman. And I, you know, I'm really trying to embrace that side of myself more because it's a huge part of my identity that I never talk about, but it it, it is a big part of my identity. I just never talk about it for some reason. So that's why I'm just trying to embrace that my family is very much involved in that indigenous culture. We celebrate the solstices and we, you know, we try to share the indigenous culture of the Taino people. My dad is very heavily involved in it. So yeah, so that's sort of where that comes from. I just as an introduction, and this is normally how I introduce myself, mm-hmm. I I use she, her pronouns. I uh, give a visual description of myself for anyone that's listening. I am a Mixed race, woman with dwarfism. My dwarfism type is called espondyloepiphyseal dysplasia congenita, S-E-D-C for short. There's a lot of big words going yeah, on It's here. like super <laughs> science, it's like very science and and feels very medicalized. But um, I'm a person and mm-hmm. I have a rare genetic condition. I stand four foot two inches. I have long brown curly hair. Today it's up in a messy bun and I have this cute little black and white headband on. And I am calling in, podcasting in from New York. Yeah. Um, and I'm in the unseated lens of the Merrick people, the Angonquin speaking tribes. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of like a visual description of myself and a little bit of the flags that I carry, so to speak. And yeah, what else? I am am a performing artist. Mm -hmm. I am a teaching artist. I am a consultant. That's like a new hat I'm wearing, actually. Since COVID, I had a baby, so I'm also a new mom. And so that's like a big part of my identity now. My son right now as we're doing this is about a year and a half. Um, So it's a fun age and he's just like totally about to be a toddler and like walking and running around and having his own little baby language and all of that. So it's wild. And he also has dwarfism too. So I passed that gene on, uh, which is pretty cool. And I'm proud of that, you know and what's his name? Oh, his name's Logan. My Logan. son's name is Logan and I'm I'm married. My husband's name's Clinton Brown. He's also a big advocate in our like dwarfism spaces and just disability in general mm. uh, here in the states. Yeah, and we're a cute little family of 3 right now, which is just like super new and it's been a whirlwind because of the last two years with COVID. It, it was tough. I was pregnant during like the peak of a lot of it. And I was lucky enough to have a safe birth and like all of it worked out. But it was nuts. It was really hard and it was challenging. But we made it through. Yeah, <laughs> we survived.
1: <and laughs> do you find that with you because you had a COVID bubble So do you find that Logan is a little bit less socialized and you have to sort of push him out into the world a bit more? Because I've had friends that have had babies as well and it's just been so hard for them.
0: I think so. I feel like we're lucky that he, even though he was born in the year 2020, he's so young right now that like, I think that we're in a good place that we can push him out of that and he's gonna be okay. I know like people that had kids that were like, just maybe gonna go into school or like just about to be socialized, like couldn't, you know? Yeah. So it's, I feel so bad for those, for those families. But yeah, Logan's definitely like, right now he's playing on his own. He doesn't understand the masks. He doesn't understand, he doesn't want anyone to wear a mask. Yeah. He's like a little bit scared of them, which yeah. makes sense. Cause it's like half of your face is gone. And children learn so much from our like expressive emotions and our faces. Yeah. So it's like, it must be so weird. But that's all he knows.
1: And the lip reading. I always yeah. think about people that can't hear well. I mean, yeah. I myself sometimes can't hear great. So I do a lot of lip reading. And I think, oh, goodness, what about for the deaf community yeah. who they need to, to rely on that?
0: It's funny that you mentioned that actually. So my son has my son is hard of hearing. Oh.
1: He has
0: hearing loss and he wears hearing aids. And I'm teaching him sign language, and he's got about twelve signs under his belt now, which is so cool. Wow, um, and he's only one. It's amazing. And he's like, it's amazing because like people that, I mean, no judgment, but people that don't do that, you're doing yourself a disservice because mm-hmm. it, children will pick it up and developmentally. That is such a great way for them to communicate and tell you what they want because they can't communicate. I have some friends that are deaf that use sign language that are like, You need to take your mask off, <laughs> like, yeah. it's there's no other way for me to communicate with you, yes. So, um, ugh, that yeah, it's it's tough and it's funny because, random side story is we would go to the audiologist all the time, mm. we still do for my son and we'd go to these appointments and everyone in this audiology clinic has a mask on that doesn't, it's not clear. And I'm like, you work at a hearing and speech center. Yes. Shouldn't this hospital invest in like masks that make it a little more accessible for people?
1: Where is the common sense? There's been a massive disconnect around it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was always like such a weird thing. And I called it out once I was like, y'all should just invest in some clear masks. It would make your job a lot easier on the other side of this desk. Right?
1: They're also not that expensive. It's just like, it's an investment. It's a company, just get it sorted. Right.
0: Exactly. So you
1: you mentioned that you're a consultant and you work uh, with the little people of America. Are you a consultant for inclusivity on all levels or just within the dwarfism community?
0: That's such a good question on a lot of different levels I've been working at. So here's what's interesting about my consultant hat that I'm wearing is (laughs) I officially am calling myself that now Mm. since COVID because I'm actually getting paid for it. (laughs) Whereas my entire life, I have been advocating and consulting lots of people about disability and dwarfism awareness, Mm. but I just was giving out my advice for free. I'm not trying to say it's all about the money or whatever, but what I've realized is that my lived experience is, it can be and is beneficial Mm -hmm. as a learning tool for other people. And so I was very blessed to have this job with a consulting firm. That I was working as a project manager. I was just supporting this consulting firm on a different level. And then I realized maybe I want to talk to my boss and see if there's space for me to explore what it would feel like to do more inclusive consulting. Like what does it mean to be more equitable, sustainable, inclusive? And she let me do that. I'd love to high five her because it really does just
1: take someone in a leadership role to say yes to someone like you who wants to make a difference in the workplace. All they have to do is say yes and let you do what it is that you came here to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I love her. And I love working for her and we are like bonding so much. We're growing together and we're trying to build something, you know? Mm. So generally speaking, I I feel like I'm more comfortable and have more experience doing dwarfism inclusion consulting. And like specifically what I've been doing recently, which has been so fun, is talking to artistic production companies or groups that are potentially casting dwarves mm-hmm. or little people in their productions. And I will give them like some advice on how to make this space more inclusive for a little person actor. Oh, brilliant! I love doing that. I want to do that all the time, mm. but I also do with this consulting firm, I help do strategic planning. So we work with different companies that do like arts and culture really good work like in the arts but just try and help them think through their goals and their mission and make sure that they're not forgetting disability because what's happening is people have been talking about diversity equity inclusion for a long time now it's very trendy to talk about it but people have been doing this like since the civil rights even before the civil rights movement here in the states yes but disability has always been that like last leg Uh, of the whole movement of that. My goal really in that space is to make sure that disability isn't forgotten. Like we need to talk about race. We need to talk about gender, Mm -hmm. but we also need to talk about disability. And and I don't mean to exclude anything else like religion, age, all of it, like citizenship. Yeah, but like disability for me and I guess what's also inspired me to do the consulting is during COVID and being a new mom, I started to really steep myself in disability justice work mm-hmm. and I was reading a lot about disability justice. I was soaking it all in, absorbing everything about the history of it and like who have been the leaders of the past that have been pushing these agendas? Why haven't we gotten there yet? And all of that stuff. And I just feel like very motivated to to do that work now uh, as a mom it feels even more important like mm-hmm. for my son and to make a better world for him yes it's all about how to make a more accessible world
1: it feels like you come into your calling doesn't
0: it <laughs> yes Not to yes too spiritual <laughs> um- you are hitting it on the nose right now Sarah because like this year, 2022, I manifested it and I feel yeah. like I am finding my purpose. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am discovering a lot about myself. Yeah, It's all kind of lining up in this very interesting way that if I don't lean into this, I am obviously not listening. Yes. So that's sort of where I am right now. It feels pretty good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's glowing on you as well. For anyone not listening, I'll do a descriptor. <laughs> Sophia is glowing. <laughs> she is, she's found her purpose. Would you be comfortable going into a little bit of um, dwarfism education?
0: Sure. Let's do
1: it. For those of us who might not know that much about it. What exactly is Dwarfism.
0: Great question. So dwarfism definition-wise is considered a person of short stature hmm. that is under uh, a certain height. Typically that's like four, nine, ten, four foot, nine inches. Yeah. I know that that's how Americans do things and not how the rest of the world does
1: things. Yeah, I know I don't understand. I know I just go, okay, that's short. Maths yeah. and I don't do well.
0: I wish I could convert that into... um, It's okay. Yeah, it's terrible. So four foot, nine inches and below, but yes, below the average height of people. Mm. But also what that means is dwarfism is a genetic condition. So dwarfism, most of the time, is a spontaneous genetic mutation Mm. that happens during conception. So really what that means is All of our, like we have genes, right? And genes are responsible for lots of different things our eye color, our hair, our skin color, Mm -hmm. you know, our body size and whatever, our nose. They're also responsible for bone growth. And so there's a gene that's responsible for bone growth. And oftentimes that gene is changed, it's mutated. So, for example, and there's over like 400 different types of skeletal dysplasias which dwarfism falls under. So that means like the people that have like scoliosis or the people that have spina bifida or the people that have just unique skeletons that like is this umbrella of skeletal dysplasia. And there's many versions of dwarfism. So my type of dwarfism, which I said before, Hmm. SEDC, we'll keep the acronym because it's way easier to say. (laughs) SEDC is like a spontaneous genetic mutation of the col 2 a one gene, and that is responsible for cartilage. And cartilage is what makes bones. So my dwarfism, like I have a lack of cartilage, therefore my bones are just, they don't grow all the way. They don't form fully. Okay. That's one version. That's just one version. Like there's many other versions. Other types are also a genetic mutation, but it'll be a genetic mutation of a different gene. And that mutation tells the bones to grow curvy or to grow different, you know? So it's a genetic mutation, is kind of the best way to describe it. And I like to talk about the genes because everyone has genes. And if we come down to the simplicity of like how humans are made, mm-hmm. it's just the gene that's responsible for bone growth that changes. And that's then cool. it's like manifested in all of these different types.
1: I love what you said before that it's a unique skeleton. People with a unique skeleton—that is just fucking yeah. brilliant. That, <laughs> that I understand that. I just go, oh, great. So yeah. is is dwarfism or people with unique skeletons? Is that a, considered a disability?
0: Yes, it okay. is. And so, because I live in America, and I we have the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm. That is really like how we can hold on to that identity because the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and I still think that this applies across the world, you know, Mm. but I'm just referring to it here because like as far as civil rights and legal protections here, dwarfism is in that list of things that is protected. And we had to fight very hard to be on that list, right? It was not easy to get on that list, but we did. And so technically, yes, it's considered a disability. And a disability technically is what they say is like something that impacts your daily functioning, your day-to-day living. Mm -hmm. And yes, most of us are able to do a lot of things like walk or see or hear, for example. But for the most part, because the world isn't built for us, having dwarfism affects our daily living absolutely yeah Yeah, and also having dwarfism like back to that gene difference what comes of that when your bones are different it means that you might experience pain or you might have arthritis or you might have because your skeleton sits a different way and there's still gravity and there's still like the weight of your body Mm. you know and then there's still like inaccessible spaces like going up a flight of stairs or stepping on a step stool every time you need to get a cup in your kitchen, those little things that you do every day will impact, you know, your hips, your legs, whatever. So
1: I think about my back and how sore it is. And I don't have that issue. And I think, wow, okay. Yep. Every time you have to step up to get something or reach, or I think, oh God, climbing a massive flight of stairs at a train station, must be quite daunting, I guess, for somebody who...
0: With a backpack and your lunch and, you know, like Mm. whatever we all carry every day, like think about that impact on the body every day. And so that's why, you know, when we talk about access, it's like these things about making the world more accessible and equitable, it would really support everyone on so many levels. But those are the problems with the world. You know, the world is created for a very particular body. And so people like me or my husband or my son, we will have issues and our bodies will be impacted because the world isn't built for us. Chairs, tables, all of it, right? Bathrooms. Imagine just trying to wash your hands. Like, yeah. Oh, look at the mirror. Oh, never see myself in a mirror. Never. (laughs) It's so funny. Some I I do you know when I'm in a show or whatever, I always bring all the things low, like everything. Mm-hmm. You know where my dressing room is <laughs> because I'm like I got command hooks everywhere, and I'm like <laughs> just just making the space mine. And I always have a mirror, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's so smart. Why don't I think of that?" I'm like, "Because you see yourself every mirror you look at. I have to bring this mirror with me, otherwise, like I don't get a chance to check." whatever if I have something in my teeth (laughs) yes and then
1: you become a person that has to carry the entire world with them as you go around Oof, that must be hard as well so we need to be making the world much more accessible
0: bingo With
1: your particular uh, form of dwarfism, do you have mobility and health issues that you, I mean, you sort of touched on it lightly, but I wonder, do you have joint things and arthritis?
0: I do. I experience arthritic pain a lot. Mm-hmm. Every day. I mean, if I'm being honest, like yep. every day, I have learned how to respect and use my body now as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid, You do. You're trying to keep up. You're trying to just have fun. I did all the things. I was lucky enough. I danced as a kid every day for like six days a week. I did dance class. Wow. And I think it ultimately was the best thing for my body because it helped me. Mm -hmm. Like my muscles are very strong so they could support my bones. But, you know, there was a point in time where like I overdid it and then it was too hard, you know? Yeah. But with that, comes a price i guess if that's the right way to put it like i've had over 10 surgeries on Mm -hmm. my legs Mm -hmm. on my body in general because of my dwarfism and this happens to a lot of little people dwarves i use that word interchangeably both of those things are great are you coming to join us
1: get out of town have we got a guest another guest we
0: have a guest
1: (laughs) (laughs) guest. well you need a chair this is so exciting oh my gosh okay but. um got it uh you might have to share headphones i don't know how we'll do the sound
0: okay quick question if we don't use here's a learning moment if we don't use headphones is that going to mess up your sound because clint has unique ears let me take one of these out we can give it a burl and see what happens can we try
1: yeah we Let's can try i'm not very technical so you're just gonna we're gonna wing this together
0: Okay, audience, you are officially listening to us without AirPods.
1: Hi, Clint. Hello, how are you, Sarah? <laughs> I'm so good. I'm very excited now I've got both of you here. <laughs> I'm so glad you joined. This is Sophia great. You and I
0: are vibing. It's It's very true we're vibing. We're just talking. This is Clint. This is my husband. Um pleasure to meet everyone. We were we were talking about dwarfism. She was asking a lot of questions like, let's have a dwarfism education moment. So I went into the genes, Mm. talked about that, and then she was just asking me about like if I have pain or experience those things. So I was saying I've had like over 10 surgeries. And a lot of little people had experienced surgeries and, it, you know, you think of it as like treatments or helpful treatments. And really like at the end of the day, a lot of those surgeries just help us like walk better or feel less pain because we do experience a lot of pain. Yeah. So that, I just wanted to wrap that question up. I'm so yeah. glad you're here.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I've called you Clint a few times. Do you prefer Clinton? Either one is okay. Okay. Welcome. Thank you.
2: Appreciate it. I'm
1: happy to be here. And you put Logan to bed? He's asleep? He was
2: very uh ready to go to bed. He was really good.
1: Yes. Thanks, Logan.
2: He sat in his little crib with his book and he started reading. Oh, he did? Yeah. And he started going through the book and he wanted another book, so I got another book. <laughs> and he ended up in bed with, like, a lot of books around him.
1: This was our... um spiritual alignment happening like we were talking about before he's gone to sleep so i can talk to both of you yeah Uh, so clinton you have got a different type of dwarfism to sophia is that right
2: correct i have diastrophic dwarfism Mm -hmm. i was always told there's somewhere between three and 400 of my type in the world at any given time there's a heavy population in uh finland scandinavia area, uh, area germany and there's a there is another heavy population in South America. I don't know if there's a correlation between genes, but there's a heavy population in both of those areas. It's just uh, interesting to kind of see how things kind of come together, right? Because mm-hmm. they're both very opposite ends of, of the of the world.
0: Yeah, who knows? There's definitely a history there. There are
2: topics in every continent, I think.
1: and uh, Well, what I'm learning just straight off the bat is the dwarfism is not rare. Is that right? Am I getting that? 400 different types. I think there must be a lot of people in the world part of this community.
2: Yeah. I I don't think it's as rare as people think it is. Mm. I I think the world is so big that it, it feels rare. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And, and so, and it's the, the, the difference of a dwarf versus average eye people I think that sparks rarity. Mm -hmm. I think it engages uh, a part of average high people that is a little bit uh, tightening uh, for them to accept or for them to to think about, right? Because of how dwarfs have been uh, framed in history as being less of people. So of course, if you have a dwarf, you want to say, Oh my God, I have some, this is so rare. I have, I have this baby that's so rare. This is like, mm. I need everybody to come and feel sorry for me or for, feel bad for me or whatever. Like, this is so rare, but is it? And so as you really get under the hood of dwarfism and you compare it to other disabilities, I don't know, maybe it's not so rare. Yeah. Uh, you know, put it on the disability spectrum. But I think and, the framing of, this, of dwarfism in history has a big uh, impact on how it's... Seen. Mm.
0: I think it is interesting because often like you were just saying, if there's a group of average or non-disabled folks or just average height folks, we call it talls, tall people, average height people. Coles. That's how we yeah, frame I it. I love that. Talls. Instead of, instead of like normal or regular. Well, everybody like
2: wants to stand out. Right? The averages. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the way of them standing out is to say, oh my God, I have this child that's, that's so rare. Mm. Oh my god! Now what? I'm but, so rare. Like you know what I'm saying? Yes. If you really look at the statistics, I'm a math. I'm a math. Well, mathem- I, what
0: person. I was gonna say is, I don't honestly, Sarah. I don't think that we know the statistics. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we have accurate numbers. For example, what we know Clinton's dwarfism to be, it's like one in every one hundred and yeah, ten yeah, ten ten thousand one about a hundred thousand births, which is rare which is rare. One in every 100 or 110,000 births. Then for me, it's like very similar, but a little less. It's one in every 100,000 births. And then for achondroplasia, which is the most common type of dwarfism, it's like one in every 10,000 births. Mm -hmm. So like how it trickles out, the most common type is definitely the majority of us, of dwarves. Like we are rarer than other groups and then it just gets more and more rare rare but the accuracy of those numbers like i really don't know if we We know know.
1: who even makes them up
2: (laughs) that's really where we're at
1: you're both using the term dwarfism and i've used it a lot as well today and i wondered is that your preferred, I was going to say pronoun, but that's not right. It's more like a descriptor or a label, because I understand that that might not sit well with other people in the dwarfism community and they choose a different type of descriptor. So I wonder what is okay and what is not okay?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I So the, how I answer this question all the time is do what the person prefers that you're talking mm-hmm. to. If you're lucky enough to engage with someone and you have that ability to ask them, do what they prefer. But generally speaking, dwarf and little person are the most acceptable terms in general. However, there are definitely people that don't want to be called a dwarf. They'd rather be called a little person or a person of short stature or just their name. Mm. But what's interesting, too, is you asked me before, is dwarfism considered a disability? And like I said, we are really empowered by that label as a family, but some people don't even like that label as well. And so they don't want to be called a dwarf and they don't want to be called disabled. Mm. And, you know, I personally find that really sad. And I think that hurts our community because... Dwarfism is the medical term that's been given to us. And I'm not trying to medicalize us. I hate that. But at the end of the day, like we need a word and we should be empowered by our word. I love being called a dwarf. I'm a dwarf. I have dwarfism. I'm empowered by it. Like I said, genetic mutation. I call myself a mutant. I'm a mutant. It's pretty cool. (laughs) I'm like X Men. Let's just call it what it is. (laughs) So Uh that's sort of how I see it. And I think, you know, we both agree about that, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I'll take it a step further. So, I'm okay with dwarfism, dwarf, or a little person. I always prefer my first name, obviously, if you're going to refer to somebody. Uh, I I do find it very interesting that I think there's only two disabilities that outsiders refer to those people as either a derogatory or a word. And that is people with uh, mental handicaps or people with Down syndrome and dwarfs. They call them retards and midgets. And so outside of that, I don't know any other word that people use to describe another disability. So outside of retarded midget, do people call people in wheelchairs anything else? I mean, yeah, cripple is used every once in a while, but it's not used like retarded midget. So and I'm okay with saying it because I think it, it has to be said. So there's other disabilities. There's so many there's hundreds and thousands of disabilities, but only the word retarded midget are used to describe little people and people. With intellectual with intellectual disabilities, disabilities. Mm. so there is an interesting angle to that, yeah. where those two groups have been purposely depicted and and purposely uh, named mm. to keep down mm. because of whatever reason, because of insecurities.
1: Yeah,
2: right. Let's just say what it is. We we put people in boxes and we put derogatory names on people because of insecurities. Okay, that's why other people of color have certain names from white people and mm. other
1: organizations because of insecurities. I wonder what we're afraid of, mainstream society. Why do we need to disempower? Oh, like
2: they are afraid of power. Mm. They're afraid of people taking their shine. They're afraid of people taking their position in life, in world, in politics, in money, in, mm. in everything. That's what they're afraid of.
0: That's, I think. I think. Also,
2: they're afraid of saying that somebody who might be a little person might actually have more to give than I have. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're afraid of, and they know it.
1: And they don't fit that ridiculously narrow v- vision of what a perfect human is. I suppose you know we're given that one narrow. Hundred percent drives me crazy. Yeah.
2: Marry and- at this age. Do this. Go to mm. college. Do this do that, make sure your kid looks like this, comb their hair that way, go to religion class, go to this, do this.
0: I think it has a lot to, do with, to do with beauty that. and you know what we understand beauty to be. But like you were just saying, this narrow version of what we understand like people should look like or should be or what's considered like normal or whatever, then like anything outside of that is unknown we're too afraid to lean into the unknown. We're too afraid to just comprehend that maybe we don't know. (laughs) And so we have to learn or unlearn something. And so to unlearn something is so challenging. It's change and change is hard. And I think that that's when fear comes in, because fear decides to take over instead of bravery, instead of Let's choose to be brave and to understand, like, I don't know something, what you're doing right now, Sarah. It's like, I don't know about dwarfism. And so I'm going to find someone and ask them about it and, like, not be afraid to ask questions and honor that person's lived experience, whatever, however they might want to share. There's
2: a difference between bias, discrimination and philosophical differences. Mm -hmm. In life. Yeah. Right? So there's a difference between bias, discrimination, and philosophical differences. So let's think about that. Put it out there, right? Because it's okay to disagree,
0: right? But it's not okay to ostracize. And what disability has been seen as for years is this otherness, right? And this otherness equals inferiority, equals uh, less than less than human and so and like specifically with our community the dwarf community has been objectified since the beginning of time like since okay. the beginning of everything <laughs> and i think all disabled and we've, and we've all disabled people in college
2: in high do.
1: school we've experiences as young 20 year olds who are out there right would you be comfortable talking a little bit about your experiences with Feeling ostracized, and that's pretty deep. But I think it's important to talk about the stuff, and we we need to look at it. I I think it's so important. And okay. also, what I'm hearing from you both is we need to look at all of this stuff directly in the eye and just explore our mm-hmm. history and what's happened. And yeah,
0: yeah. Well, to just touch on that really quickly, like historically, this is why it's so hard right now, mm. is because generations after generations, we have allowed ourselves to accept this beauty standard that is like this perfect body that's very symmetrical and white and able, perhaps, right? And so anything outside of that is like considered other, which is considered less than. And so that's like generational oppression and generational trauma that's going to take a long time to unlock but that's why we do have to look it in the face and say okay unfortunately my ancestors were part of that historical oppression and what do i do to change it i see i ask i lean in i learn i unlearn so quickly about like my experiences and i was just talking about this actually with a group of actors. And I'm gonna talk specifically, I've had lots of different experiences. And I will say that Clint and I, we share these stories all the time. And I think little people, we sometimes feel like we're the last people that it's acceptable to like laugh at, gawk at, take your phone out, take a picture, like make a make a joke of our bodies. Like it's still acceptable to do that. On social media, you see it all the time. I will say
2: that it's universal, It's not America. It's wild to me that that is something people do. It's a universal thing,
1: Mm. and it's probably much worse. I know it's much worse. I'm so sorry. On behalf of society, that's fucked. And it's not
0: okay. It's fucked. It's fucked. It's fucked. Yeah. And We've seen it. And we experience it every day, okay? Anyone who's listening, little people, it doesn't matter where you're from or where you live or who you are or what you look like. Whatever kind of dwarfism you have, it happens every day to our community, every single day, at least once a day, at least once a day. So imagine that trauma and imagine if you're someone that's not us, that's like, that's stuck in that and only lives in that space, right? So, what I was gonna say really quickly about my experiences of like overcoming those obstacles and that stigma is like, In my professional world, I mean, like I said, this happens every day, like on the street, in the grocery store, everyday life. But in my professional life, because I've chosen to be a performer, which is like (laughs) putting my body on display, right? And saying, hey, look at me, I'm here which is also a stigma within our own community because dwarves have been part of the freak shows and the sideshows since the beginning. And so Mm. there's also this like stereotype of, oh, only little people are supposed to be in the circus. Dwarves are only supposed to be there for entertainment, right? Mm. And so I have to push against those things all the time as a performer and like balance what I choose and what I say yes to just so that at least I choose to do that. Not everybody does that, but just so that I feel like I'm representing our community in a positive way because for me, enough is enough. I'm at a point now where I'm like, there are too many, the negative narratives overweigh the positive for our community, that there's not enough opportunity of positive storytelling about little people. And so that's what I'm really working to change as an artist. But as my experience in my professional career, I've been tokenized it feels like I've been tokenized in every single professional experience I've had every single time I've been cast in something. It's felt like I am there to shock people to be this butt of a joke sort of thing, or to check a box that is like, well, we casted someone that's different. So we did it, (laughs) you know?
1: I've seen that so many times in the entertainment industry here with ch- checking the indigenous box. We've got to check the indigenous box at just right. once. And yep. it drives me mad because I'm like, this is not inclusion. This is tokenism.
0: It's tokenism. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the more that I really look back at my career and as much as I was very strategic about what I said yes to and what I decided, right? As much as I did that. I still have been extremely tokenized in my experience, mm-hmm. and I always see the positive because I'm I'm super optimistic at heart, and so there's always been something good that's come out of every experience. But at the end of the day, when I look back at the show, mm-hmm. or look back at the experience, except for my recurring role in Louder Milk, that was a very very positive experience. Except for that, everything else has been extremely tokenizing, and so that's where like the entertainment industry it needs to change, you know? And so that's yeah. like my example of feeling othered all the time. It's like in my career, I choose to be an entertainer and I choose to tell stories really to make an impact for my community. But still, I'm still left as like that person that checks a box.
2: Okay. What about you? I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question for me to follow <laughs> up on, but I could... I had my own podcast on my own at that point. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I got so many stories in the hopper, but I mean, I guess I could tackle it a couple different ways. One way would be uh, as a young man, I in his twenties, strolling around New York City in the dating game and mm-hmm. uh, dealing with that, right? In clubs and with all my average high friends. And the other one would be, you know, in, in my my career and my job. Uh, moves and, and uh, you know moving up the ladder and utilizing not only my personality, but there are other things that go into a play that allow people to move up the ladder. And those things aren't necessarily on a resume. And they're not always necessarily things that you could bring up in an interview. So yeah. unfortunately, difficult to hang your hat on those items. And uh, those are things that you really can't let stop you. You just got to let it motivate you and fuel you. But I mean, just the litany of events that have, uh, that I've had to endure in my early twenties and mid twenties that couldn't knock me, uh, knock me on my ass, but I allowed myself to get back up and continue to really not just drag myself forward, but jump on a rocket and go forward because, uh, I had the will and I had the, uh, Basically, I had the, uh, you know, the fuck you attitude that said, I'm not going to let society and the world push me down. Yes. But not all, not everybody has that. And, and I think it's actually grown in me. Mm. So, you know, some people might see it as like, you are one angry bastard. <laughs> or what I see it is, you know what, I'm one tough son of a bitch. You've had to fight for your right to exist. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. I don't want to have to get up every day, improve myself, my worth, and what I need to give. But I do it, and I do it because it has to be done.
1: Yeah.
2: And I don't, and I do it because that's the only way forward. But I will say that, I mean, I got funny stories. But I put myself <laughs> in some precarious situations. But I used to like to have a lot of fun, right? And so having a lot of fun in your early twenties means. Going out, drinking, going to clubs. Yeah, uh, you know, been there, right? So, and sometimes, like I would dance. I would like to dance. You'd I'm be the center of, mm-hmm. and I'm three feet tall. Yeah. So when uh, you know, the ludicrous song comes on, and I want to do one of these deals. <laughs> you know, and I got all my boys dancing around me, just because I'm three feet tall. Now all of a sudden we got a situation going on. Yeah. Got it. It's a spectacle. I would assume for average type people to see. For me, it's my life. I don't know any different.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? You're just I'm dancing. The, I like, Why is everybody really so tall around me? This is so weird. Yeah. So you know, you get people taking pictures.
0: Imagine when the two of us are on the dance floor.
2: This game. is before social media. So <laughs> God forbid social media was around. I'd be a TikTok sensation. So
1: <laughs> for the wrong reason, though, it's just.
2: you exactly. have never seen exactly. take a picture of me. And laughed at their friends, and I saw it, and I ran through the dance floor under people, <laughs> and the phone was on a, a the camera. The camera was the camera was well, on it a wasn't string.
0: a phone. It was a camera.
2: Was <laughs> on a string. It was a digital camera on somebody's oh wrist, and I grabbed I grabbed it, and it was hanging on somebody's wrist. And I grabbed it. And I didn't realize it was on her wrist. And I pulled yeah. it so hard that she started to lift me up. Aww. And I yanked it so hard down. And I put my legs around her legs. I had her in a UFC MMA hold. She had no chance. And we were basically in a wrestling match almost. Clint was here to fuck you up, bitch. grabbed <laughs> <laughs> it off. And I whipped it across the dance floor. Yeah. I was like, what, "What now? What are we going to do? You can't do that to me. I'm another human. That's
1: right. unfair.
0: Yeah,
1: it's so unkind. It is. I have no is. idea. It was so satisfying for me to do that <laughs> because you yeah. were able to right. take your power
2: back in that moment. I think it was the final straw. It was the last straw. I never would have done that normally, off of the first hop. But it was. It was one of those things where it was a final straw. And I'll never forget that moment because I was so proud of myself because I had nobody with, like, none of my friends were there with me. So I really took a chance. I really took a chance at, like, somebody physically assaulting me. And I, I guess I didn't care. And, and I just, I, I, I didn't care, and I was there to make a point. So every time I see something wrong from now on, I'm grabbing that cell phone or that phone, from that wrist, even though it's tied to an arm that's much bigger than me, mm. that's much taller than me, that's much stronger than me, and I'm going to grab it and I'm going to hang, and I'm going to make
1: sure that I rip it off, and I'm going to chuck it across the dance floor every time. And I support you to do that, and I want to also call out your friends. Where the fuck were they? Why weren't they They, are you? Like they should. They shouldn't always have to defend me. And that was the
2: thing. They defended me in so many situations. Mm. We've cleared out so many bars. My cousin got his shirt ripped off, got thrown downstairs. My buddy got his nose broken for me. We have been in so many ballroom oh brawls because of shit that was said when I wasn't even there. When mm. I when I wasn't there, right? How, where the, where did everybody go? Oh, uh, don't worry, Johnny. Hit that guy in the face with a beer bottle because he called you a midget. All right. On to the next one. Yeah. Right? Okay. It shouldn't have to be like that. I shouldn't have to be a burden to my friends.
1: You both have that fire inside of you where, you know, you said it before, Clinton, about how you choose to get up every single day and fight and move forward and progress in life and not essentially be disadvantaged by your dwarfism and your life. What is it that makes you different from someone who can't get up out of bed in the morning and choose that?
2: We're very lucky. Mm. We're very lucky that we have the limited physical capabilities and the limited means from our parents that we've been privileged from to be able to have an education, Mm. to be able to go make a living, to be able to be given first and foremost the self-confidence to defend ourselves. The self-confidence to believe in ourselves, the self-confidence to advocate for ourselves in situations where when, as we grew up, no one was able to be there with us. This is how it's supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. Every child, every child needs to self-advocate for themselves. This is not a disability thing. This is a people thing. This is how you make a child go out and be better than who you are. It has nothing to do with
0: disability until you have a disability. I think that there's a couple of reasons for me. And I'm hungry. We're both hungry. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to be honest and say that my fire was always there. But since I have met this man and since we have joined, there is no stopping us now.
1: Yeah. Forced to be reckoned with.
0: I honestly feel that. I know in my gut that he's changed me. And because I know Clint, I want to fight more. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is yes, we are we are partners, we are partners for life and that's like very unique and not everybody has that, right? But community. Mm-hmm. Community is what empowers me. Because when I go and I see like if we're going back to little people of America or just like when I see another dwarf on the street in New York city here that I don't even know. I'm like, I see you. I know you. I know you. And they might not get it. And they might not even want to look at me because they don't have what I have, but I see them and I know them. And I'll be damned if anyone feels like they're alone because Mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough to know that I'm not alone. And I really feel like that is where my fire comes from now. But I also think that my parents are a huge reason why I am who I am. You were talking about Mm self-confidence. It's that. It's self-worth. My parents didn't let my dwarfism define me in a way that was gonna hold me back. Be there back. was never anything that I couldn't do. And that was how we ran. You know, that was how my childhood was. Even though there was things I couldn't do, <laughs> it, it there was always a way to talk through it with my parents. That was like a positive thing. And also like, I had low moments. And my mom was like, oh, yeah. okay, you can cry. You can be sad. Mm-hmm. That shit sucks. Yeah. But what do you have control over? That's just, I'm just so grateful for my parents. They are a huge reason why I am who I am. Yeah. And just knowing like that there's so many things I don't have control over, but there are things that I do have control over. And if you continue to feel and know your worth, which is what you have control over. Yes. And you can accomplish anything, you know? You can be the next whatever.
2: Now, I think there's an important part of that, and I just want to elaborate, and I'll throw it back to you, Sarah. The The, the control and the non-control. And that's something that's being done in society right now, is we try to fix the non-control. We're trying to fix, we're trying to band-aid and fix the non-control. Mm. And my parents always say, hey, you're a dwarf. can't fix that. Right, no. exactly. Say, we'll be a little person, we're going to deal with that. Yeah. But I'll tell you what we can deal with. We can deal with whether or not you go to school, you go to college. Whether or not you get past a bad test. Mm. Whether or not you get past a college saying you can't go here. We're going to get past a bad interview. This mentality of nothing can stop me. I'm going to continue to run through that wall. Instead of embedding a mentality of, oh, this is, this is wrong. This is bad. We're going to fix it. Right? Because then you stay in that instead of moving forward. And it's about setting a mind. It's about creating a mindset of perseverance versus fixing the past. And it's a difference between people who have hangups and the difference between people who don't. Yeah and it's and you can apply that to anything anything
0: i do think though you know there are some people that are at such a disadvantage they really are and it's not easy for them it's really not easy for people in poverty for people that don't have parents like us that and i'm not i'm not like judging or assuming but like you know both of our parents are still together. That is like unique, you know? Divorced parents, that's a real thing. That's yes. a huge traumatic thing that happens to families. People that live in like underdeveloped places or don't have education around them or like can't get anywhere without a car, you know? Like Listen, those sure obstacles all, are I'm real. Sure our parents were one
2: argument away from the doors and many times in their sure, life, right? but you that they, they But they car. didn't. But
0: they didn't. Right that matters a lot. So I'm just honoring that. Like I'm I'm saying like Clint and I you you ask us why like we are unique. We have privileges. We have unique advantages in life, but we also have not let anything hold us back. And I think that we we feel, you know that it's important for other people to know, like I said, we see you, I see you. We are one, you know? I am human, I have a heart, and that's it. We are a family. Whether you're a dwarf, average height, am I a new Australian friend, (laughs) I don't know.
1: I was going to ask you, Sabina, about your journey to motherhood and how that pregnancy went. Because you carried Logan, didn't
0: you? I did. And
1: were risks involved in that?
0: Yes, yes. So, generally speaking, women with dwarfism can carry children, but there there's a lot to understand. You know, my best advice and my understanding from my experiences. It, there's a lot to understand and do research on before you decide to have a family. If you have the ability to do that, if you're a female little person listening, that's what you should do because that's what I did. And I did that specifically because I, as you can imagine, a woman yourself going to the OBGYN could be quite an interesting experience when you are a little person. yeah. And so I've had a couple of very weird and, awkward and traumatic experiences at the OB's office. And so when we decided to maybe have a family, I was like, oh, I had to find someone that I love and that respects me. Interview time. <laughs> and so I literally like interviewed people. I, it took me a really long time to get to that point. Mm. But once I was ready, I did. And we did ultimately find a team yep. that was in a pretty generally close proximity travel wise yeah. that worked for us which so was awesome. like a miracle yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know that we could work with right and and really what that means is like nobody's perfect you yes not everybody's body's the same so I'm like I'm like average for a dwarf as far as my size. Oh okay yeah Clinton's on the smaller side I'd say I'm on the more average side and then there's some dwarves that are taller than me mm-hmm. which is like T- like tall dwarves which there are tall dwarves. Yeah. And and that's an important thing to say. Just because you're not above if you're not under the certain height limit, but if you have a unique spine like or a unique skeleton, you're a dwarf. You you have skeletal dysplasia, that means that you have something unique about you, even if you're tall. But yeah, it it was really hard to find someone, find mm-hmm. an OB and a, and I had to find a high risk specialist. But Ultimately, I did x-rays and all these tests to make sure that my breathing was good and my heart mm-hmm. was good and like my body in general was healthy enough to carry a baby. Once I was able to feel like everyone felt like, "Yes, you should be fine. You know, it's going to be tight in there, but you <laughs> should be fine." We were like, "Great." So then we were able to do that and it we were able to conceive naturally which was great. And that's typically the case. However, what is definitely known for the dwarf community is that women that have their own children have to have C-sections. So okay. it's a cesarean birth. Yeah, And that's really the safest option. If there's a doctor that's telling you, no, nah, you could deliver naturally. It's probably not a good idea. Just because we are very small and like even average women, like, sometimes their pelvis shift or their hips can break. And like, oh, yeah. it's a lot of work down there. Yes, yes. So in order to, pre- and like my bones are different and fragile. So like in order to protect myself and for me to be a mother after birth, mm. having a C-section is the best way to do it. So we had a planned C-section. I had a perfectly natural pregnancy. I was by the book pregnant. Mm buy the book. I would read every chapter and be like, yeah, that's happening. That's happening. That's happening. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. It made me feel average, so to speak. And I did go full term. I went to 38 weeks.
1: Wow. And then I
0: had Logan at 38 weeks and like two days. And that was what was planned. Now, typically women go to 40 weeks. So that was two weeks shy of the end but that's t- still considered full term. I know little people though that have gone to like 40 weeks, 39 weeks. So it's possible. It's a long time for anyone to carry
1: something in their body for that long. So
0: and one of the other things that I learned is like pregnancy is unique for everyone. It doesn't matter your disability or anything. Like mm-hmm. it's it is so case by case. It is baby by baby. Just because there's dwarves, like doesn't mean that it's more of a like it's like gonna be a harder pregnancy or whatever. I could have just as normal a pregnancy or just as hard as a pregnancy as anyone else. Yeah. The other thing to know is that we did do genetic testing, which was recommended. And typically that's like a whole another can of worms of like genetics and the, the medical field of genetics and how that impacts our community, which is a big thing right now. But we wanted to know like, what were the chances of passing on our dwarfism to mm. our baby. Not because we didn't want a dwarf baby, but just to know, just to be aware of like what the possibilities would be. So we got genetically tested. We officially diagnosed ourselves, even though we knew that we were dwarves. <laughs> so it was like, good. We're dwarves. Okay. And then we <laughs> We figured out, like, that if we were to have a baby, the baby would be my type of dwarfism and not Clint's type of dwarfism okay. because Clint has a recessive type and I have a dominant type. Mm-hmm. So then it gets really, like, so interesting. That's
1: an episode for a whole other time. Yeah. And this <laughs> is, is going to maybe be a bit weird and pervy, but I want – because, Clint, you laughed when Sophia just mentioned natural conception – and I wonder if that's because do people ask you guys about your sex lives often? Oh, yeah. Like I've, I've, and it's interesting because I, it's on the tip of my tongue going, yeah, how does that work? Well, I know how people have sex. And I I wonder why we are so interested to know how people who are differently able fuck in, and you know.
2: <laughs> because, <laughs> part, part, because part of the, part of the, uh, I guess curiosity
1: mm.
2: maybe has a little bit of a perversion to it.
1: Yeah.
2: I think it's okay. I think it's okay to, to say it, right? Absolutely. Because we've all I've always been asked very intimate sexual weird questions. Yeah, which is never okay for
1: anyone. For anyone. But then not follow up on. Mm. When you say that you don't want to want when you don't want to answer it. No, just be like, oh,
2: I just want to know. I'm not going to take you up on it, but I just want to know. Mm. Like, it's weird. It's weird. On the female side, Sophia's had very different experiences because guys are much more willing to be extremely perverted and weird. (laughs) I'm I'm serious. This is my take. Then women are because women want to date six foot and older guys, but they're curious and guys just want to find whatever they can find. (laughs)
1: Now we're just talking about the differences between men and women. Right. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> really quick about, like, he right? was sharing, like, his his 20s. It's 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 so clear and obvious. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, partying and, like, going out with friends. It's very different the for- The buck a, would stop
2: at a certain point for me. The buck wouldn't stop for Sophia. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, it's funny. Like, we've had these conversations about the differences between dwarf experiences, whether you're a female or male. Yeah. And we've actually argued over these things.
1: Yes, I can say I've caused tension. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're we're over, the, we're way past this now. It's, okay. but it's very interesting. And like, you know, women, I think dwarves in general or disability is yeah. fetishized for sure. Mm-hmm. But like women... LP women are so fetishized and like most of my dating life before Clinton was all fetishized. It was all weird. But I didn't realize that that was going on because I was trying to convince myself that this guy liked me, you know? Of
1: course, yes.
0: But then all he would talk about would be my size and it's like, ick, right? Oh God, I'm so sorry that you had to experience that. Yeah.
1: And isn't that interesting that you, once you met Clinton and you fell in love, you must have learnt then what that true loving intimate experience was actually supposed to be.
0: Yeah, Mm. exactly. And, like, I mean, I don't even – there's no way to, like, know that until you know it, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I will say, like, I'm not afraid to answer the sex questions because sex is totally stigmatised too when it comes to disability because people think Mm. that, like, we can't have sex, which is why when I used to go to the OB – they wouldn't think I could have children or they wouldn't think that I would have sex or like, why are you even here? Do you get your period? I'm like, yeah, I do. What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, I'm like not even a human. Like, like I don't bleed every month and have my menses and Mm. all of that. So it's like, and that's a medical professional. These are all like men, OBGYNs too, you Mm. know, exhausting. sorry y'all, but that's true. But like, I'll just say quickly about that because I think it's important for people to know. It's like when you have different bodies. Yes, we can have sex. We can experience pleasure. We like sex. We enjoy it just like everyone else. We might just approach it differently, and it might just take a little more time, <laughs> you know. Or not just- every night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Depends how tired you are or how excited you are. <laughs>
0: exactly. Just like anybody, right? Yeah. So, like same application.
1: <laughs> yeah, same application. Yeah, saying that location. Yeah.
0: So it's it's interesting. It's important to share though because I want to destigmatize that so much too.
1: Sarah's so ready to
2: go out on on the town for a oh night. Oh Yeah, you excited? You
1: yes. I have not been in the dating game for a long time, so there's not much going on here. uh She'll re-enter the game at some point, but uh not yet. Got to get some waxing happening. Got to get some, <laughs> you know, plucking all the bits.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> the <this band. laughs>
1: Okay, so I have one last itching question for you and then I'm going to let you go to bed. And you, we may have already covered this, but I wonder what some of your superpowers are that you have could have only ever truly received from living with dwarfism and living as you are.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, the power yours? of mind over matter, I think. Hmm. The power of mind over
2: matter and the, the power of determination and perseverance that your mind can cannot... die can make your body do. And it's incredible. And it's it's uh, it's endless. And I think that would be the one thing that I feel like maybe I tapped into. Yes. Uh, that I may not have been able to tap as deep into if I was average height.
0: <sighs> that was a good answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a good answer. It was a really good answer. I think my immediate answer is the... <clears throat> The power of creativity meets problem solving. Like, I think that dwarves, but definitely people with disabilities in general, but like little people have to be really creative. And so I think that my dwarfism, and I am a creative person, so it's kind of a cop out, right? But I really think that my dwarfism is the, a big reason why I am like extremely creative and a problem solver in everything that I do. Yeah. Because I'm always trying to find the solution or be like resourceful about that solution of a problem. So that's like threefold resourcefulness, problem solving, creativity. Those are my superpowers. Amazing. I I love that. Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with being a dwarf. That's how we survive. <laughs> yeah.
1: you, well, you look so, at the world completely different. You're, you're living in a world that is not made for you to be in. And I think, yeah, that, that's what I've learned a lot today. So thank you so, so much for being here. I'm so excited to say that I've got two new friends. Yeah. yeah Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. And if there's anyone out there that wants to follow your journeys, where can people engage with you if they want to?
0: Yeah. So this is Sophia speaking, obviously my website, sophiacheyenne.com. And that's definitely all me. And you can contact me through there or my Instagram is at SophiaSheyenne.com, And that's at S-O-F-I-Y-A-C-H-E-Y-E-N-N-E.
2: Yes. That's me. And my Instagram and, and Twitter handle uh, for my rants and raves and pictures of family and sports are Think Like Clint, and that's an
1: Instagram or Twitter. And also a metaphor for life: we need to think like Clint.
0: <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, you got a hat that says that too. Oh, just I love saying. that. So your own merch.
1: Thank you, and big love thank to both you. you.
0: So nice to meet you. Hello, friends.
1: Oh, thanks so much for listening to my episode with Sophia and Clint. Aren't they the absolute best? I learned so much during this conversation and I was humbled by listening to Sophia and Clint's experiences of just existing in the world. There are a lot of things that stood out for me, but I can't stop thinking about how they've been vilified in public for just existing in different bodies. And whenever I hear words like retard or midget or spastic or any of those horrific terms used to describe someone with different abilities or who lives in a different body, different meaning that they're not Considered to be mainstream or normal, I feel this sharp pang of pain run through my entire body because those words have a vibe. Those words carry hate. And if I can feel it run through my body, I imagine what it must feel like for Sophia or Clint or anyone else living with a disability, and I am immediately heartbroken. And I found myself thinking back to school and all the times that I was or that I witnessed someone being unkind to someone else for their physical appearance or their mental capacity and I just want to punch myself in the face. And I realised that we as a society have been sold this idea that part of growing up includes bullying and creating a separateness within the tribe as as this weird rite of passage or something and it has to fucking stop. We must do better because these experiences in the schoolyard filter all the way up into the workplace and into our adult lives and we see history repeating itself over and over again. Ah, If you can't already tell, I've got a massive disdain for people and Workplaces and organizations, blah, 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 who won't help others or who won't show up for others on a daily basis. And I was working on a TV set in recent years and it was a difficult production. Admittedly, the site wasn't great, it was outdoors and it was challenging for even an able bodied person to navigate every day. Anyway, I was in charge of booking the crew and there was a girl in a wheelchair who expressed interest in being on the crew and I was specifically told not to hire her because we couldn't accommodate someone in a wheelchair. Now, the Sarah of maybe four or five years ago probably would have felt icky about this, but in the interest of pleasing the powers above, I would have just crossed her name off the list and moved on but that's not who i am anymore and my heart couldn't accept this i i couldn't understand why we just couldn't make the site more accessible so i ruminated on it and i asked multiple times if we could just work something out or invest a bit of money to make a space for her to set up on site and every single time i was met with the same answer it's too expensive and it's too hard no <laughs> I could tell that my not dropping it was wearing thin, so I eventually just had to move on. But the funny thing about being a square peg in a round hole and a little bit woo-woo is that I ended up hiring the girl in the wheelchair anyway. So the bosses were forced to think of how we could accommodate her. And she ended up working from home instead of on site which obviously doesn't get first prize for making the workplace accessible to everybody but it did give that girl an opportunity to pop something on her resume for future gigs and she later told me that she'd been finding it really hard to get work and was just grateful for the opportunity. So I wonder if you've ever witnessed or been part of anything like this in your own world I think we really need to start unlearning some shit. Let's do what Sophia said and choose to be brave and lean into the unknown. I think that the era of ostracization, ostracization, ostracizing, ostracization, you get the point. I think that's over, folks. I think it's time to open our hearts to more and politely tell all the sad bullies to go and fuck themselves because the compassion train has officially left the station. And look, I get it. There's a lot that we can't control or change in this life. That's 100% true. But what we can control is how we act, what we do, what we say, and how we show up in the world for ourselves and for others. And Remember that it just takes... One person to say yes to doing things differently. Are you that person? Hmm. Let's put our thinking caps on. How can we be more equitable, sustainable, inclusive and diverse in every area of our lives? Look, it's a big conversation and I'm here for it, friends. If you have a TMI story that you'd like to share with me and the rest of the world... Head over to planetseragrant.com and apply to be on the show. I promise you it'll be a little bit scary, but lots of fun. And if you're loving the podcast, hit me up with those sweet five stars and a little review. If you do, I promise to hire someone who can help me get the audio right. Bye. That
0: was good. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Good for you.
2: TMI? For real (laughs) reasons.